Greetings and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with Morris Sachs. How you doing, my friend? Oh, we're killing it today, bud. We're oh, just good. We're off it. to a good start. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. sun is shining. The temperatures are rising. <laughs> I, I did my morning chores. <laughs> good. You know the whole the whole thing. How about you? Yeah, same same here. The temperature's not rising. Um, I've done my morning chores, and uh, away we go. We're off to another another wonderful episode of Inside Baseball. <laughs> so you know, I uh, I've engaged a nutritionist recently. I, I I was aware that you were going to engage, and I did not get a full report. But I am anxiously awaiting the the, the, the new yeah. update. <laughs> well, um, you, you know, I have to break these people in. It takes a while, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> um, but uh, apparently, um, this lady has a podcast. That's how I came to wow find her because uh, Jason was on her podcast and. I have all these questions about like the keto diet. Yada, sure. Yada. Yeah, yeah. He says, well, she seems pretty good. So I, anyway, I've been uh, emailing with her a little bit and and uh, she mentioned her podcast and uh, um, <laughs> I said, oh, I'm a podcaster. And she's like, no way. <laughs> and so I, I sent her the thing and, and she listened to last week's and I forget how she phrased it, but she thought the opening music approach was interesting. <laughs> you don't you don't get many podcasts that start that way. <laughs> and, and then she went on to say, you know, she's really not that good with money. Mm -hmm. So maybe, uh, you know, this isn't really the right form for her. And and it, you know, it, it disappointed me a little bit mm -hmm. in that with the extraordinary success that we've achieved in the world of podcasting. Yep. Um, we have such a diverse audience yep. that I never know from week to week what what you're going to talk about. You right. know, and, and I don't want to harp. We don't want to harp on the same things over and over again. But some of the things are just such low hanging fruit. I don't know how you cannot just step all over it. Constant context content. <laughs> so. Uh, I got I got off for a little bit of a ride just so short. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, just uh you know, uh big Ed had been here. So, you know, Put the you famous yep. Ed 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 shop ride, which we <laughs> refer to as the Ed's Sunday House of Pain ride. <laughs> but but this was midweek. So yeah. anyway, Jason suggested I spin my legs out a little bit and because my friend Turgut's coming uh Monday. Wow. So we'll be able we'll be able to get some yeah. longer rides in which I'm excited about. Uh but I found, you know, I, I get a lot of uh different thoughts pass through my mind. You know, cycling is all about rule number five, right? So, you know, you you get into that zone and you know, you're trying to find ways to get through the ordeal and and, mm -hmm. and I found one of the things I like to do is uh, think about the podcast that's about to come. Yep. And um, I have thoughts that go all over the place. And uh, this was a rather short ride. And I kind of sunk my teeth into one thing that I thought was kind of a funny little joke. It's not that funny, but it was funny in my own mind. And then uh, circling back to our old pal, uh, DJ Sal. Yep. So the 
so the, the, the joke that's not funny was, um, I was going to say that um, we're now sponsored by Kathy Wood and ARC. <laughs> and the, 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 the motto being, why bother throwing darts at a newspaper when we can get Jesus to do it for you? True. And it's true. And it's only 75 basis points. <laughs> for, for those of you who are not from the canyons of Wall Street, okay, 75 basis points. <laughs> That's a lot of fucking basis points for being a chucklehead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think when we were at Greenwich, uh, I used to keep these statistics. Um, if we hit 80 or 90 basis point ROA, mm -hmm. like it was, you know, <laughs> yeah, filth, you know, what, what was that? What was that story? Limos, bimbos, and cocaine oh. or sort of thing. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You made a lot of money at that yeah. number. Yeah, yeah. So this, so this whole line of crap about her, you know, got her money dollar for dollar. Well, she may well have that, but I suspect that that <laughs> chunk of change is pales in comparison. Um, anyway, I made enough fun about her. Let's move over to um, the fucking idiot running Goldman Sachs. Not for um, long. <laughs> not, not for long. <laughs> so, so this went in two directions. Okay, so. <laughs> I may not have this entirely right, but we all knew that going in. It's close Cause, enough. Because when it's free, you're <laughs> the product. Um, so they wanted to be a consumer bank, right? Sure. Did you ever see one branch that said Goldman Sachs? A like, <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you do? Like, if you get a check, let's say you got a distribution from sure. some private mm -hmm. equity firm yep. that you put money into 30 years ago and never made any money. And, and you got a final $4,000 distribution. <laughs> yeah. So you get this check. Like, you, what do you go down to 200 West Street? You go through eight, eight layers of security and you yeah, say, yeah. Um, oh, after I, I'm just... After I drive by 14 Chase branches, okay, yeah. I'll just drive by Chase. I'll, yeah. go, I'll go to the yeah. Goldman branch down in Lower Manhattan. Yeah. yeah, at 200 West Street. And the first thing you say is, I'm just here for the gangbang, right? <laughs> Please. That's a movie line. I, you know, I, many of our listeners like the references. And I, I hit you on with a very unique one this morning yeah. um, in the pipe five by five. Yeah. Now that's a, that's uh that's I can't say it's a tale as old as time, but back to DJ Sal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now uh I think it's conventional uh knowledge that it's harder to get a job at Goldman Sachs than getting into Harvard. It was impossible. Right? It was impossible. Okay. okay. So <laughs> stay with me here. So I'm riding up a hill. And I'm trying to stay between 180 and 200 watts, right? Because I'm doing this training, yada, yada. And uh, I'm thinking, I wonder what his interview went like. So he shows up. He's probably got a full head of hair. I was going to say, he's got hair then. Right? Yeah. And so the the person interviewing him says, oh, Mr. Solomon, i uh glad to have you here today. Um, 
I see. Uh, I see you uh, work a commercial paper salesman. Tell me a little bit about your job. <laughs> and and he says, well, I I sit in a large trading room, and in front of me is a is a phone that has 120 keys on it. We call it a trading turret. Even though I'm a salesman, we call it a trading turret. Oh, okay. Well, what do you do then? He said, well, there's six buttons I watch. And when they light up, I pick up and I say, David Solomon. And the person on the other end says, I need some commercial paper. I need 5 million uh, and I need to go out 30 days. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and Solomon says, oh, let me take a look. I, I can offer you General Motors at a 580. I can offer you a Ford Motor Credit at a, you know, a 592, mm -hmm. uh, yada, yada, yada. And, yeah. and the client says, well, I just made a mistake. Um, I only have the money to invest for five days. And so what, what, what do I do? The, you know, the, the interviewer is asking Solomon, what, what is, what does he do? And Solomon says, well, that's a, that's a really good question. I'm not, I'm not sure because I look up in the shortest commercial paper, seven days, but the client's only got money for five days. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I, I don't know what I would do. And then, then the interviewer Goldman says, well, you, you could say maybe there's a treasury bill that matures in five days. You could put your client in that. Solomon's like, that's a good idea. And <laughs> and then the, the, the Goldman interviewer says, well, what about a five-day term repo? And Solomon says, what's that? <laughs> Let me write this down. <laughs> yeah. So the interviewer can tell the guys at Chucklehead. So he says, well, that. He says, tell me a little bit about yourself. What are your outside interests? Well, um, I'm an artist. Oh, really? Have you done anything I, I know? He says, well, um, what I do is I take other people's music <laughs> and I mix it up. <laughs> and, I, and, and I mix it, I mix it up into a mishmash. And then I pay people to let me go to a club where there's a bunch of people doing drugs <laughs> and they seem to like it. They love it. I said, I said, uh, the interviewer's like, well, that can't take much time, can it? He goes, oh yeah, it takes a lot of time. In fact, you know, um, I know most people, mo most people here work 70, 80 hours a week, but I'm just telling you right now, I, I can't work that long because, you know, I got my art and then the well, weekends are completely, completely non-starter because I'm doing my gigs, right? Out in the Hamptons during COVID lockdown. Yeah. So the so the interviewer is looking for reasons to keep the conversation going. He says, "So, uh, what did you do last night uh, after work?" He said, uh, "Oh, I went and got a blowjob. How about you? How did about you get a blowjob?" You loser. <laughs> now, I didn't. That didn't flow great, but let me ask you this. <laughs> Are you gonna hire that guy? Is Dude. that the guy you're hiring? So do they so do they does the board need a stooge? They, like you you gotta do they put a yes man in, you know? 
or did he fight and claw and like and, and whack the right Don to get to the top? Is, isn't that how it works over at Goldman? Where you got to have your faction and you got to climb? No. Look, now I've never I've never worked there, mm -hmm. but I've been a client for mm -hmm. forty years, something like that, and I have many, many, many uh, contacts within the firm. Mm -hmm. More there than many other firms, just because, you know, back when I started trading with them in 1985, you know, like Morgan Stanley didn't do futures and, yeah. you know, that yeah. yada, yada, yada. Right. Mm -hmm. So I have a long experience with them. Um, but, uh, you know, I just, I suspect and one of our fan favorites, uh, I won't mention his name, but I guess I use the phrase, every day there is the night of the long knives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I actually uh, put a little work into this, which is rare for me because, you know, I don't think there's anybody lazier than me. But I looked at the board of directors, okay, which is on the, the website. Yep. It's and, a huge board, uh, right? A big number? Big number. One thing that struck my eye, which was quite impressive, was there's a board, there's a board member who went to the United States Naval Academy. Okay. As you know, I I tried to and I, I couldn't get in. So this person, uh I, I won't mention gender. If you're interested mm -hmm. enough, you sure. can look at so went to the Naval Academy went right into the Navy, became an admiral, retired. Okay, huge success, right? I mean, that's mm -hmm. that's an achievement, right? Of course. But from what I can tell, never had a job like where yep. you Understood. are yeah. in the real world dealing with clients and stuff of course. like that. Yep. And, and I can understand why Goldman would want somebody from the military on their board. Because as you will recall, Mad Dog Mattis was on the board of Theranos. Of course. And he was such an excellent, excellent. Pillar of, uh, of honesty and due diligence and <laughs> rigorous guy, military investigation. Guy, guidance. Because who better than a Marine Corps general, <laughs> yeah. right, to investigate battlefield yeah okay so um the one thing i did notice was uh many of the board members they referred to as having experience with risk okay now there's all sorts of risks there's the risk of slipping getting out of the bathtub there's a risk of getting hit by a bus and there's a risk of being short too much volatility that you were able to mask it so the risk management department can't find it. Mm -hmm. Right. I I didn't see anybody in there with, with that skill set. And not surprised, a little disappointed. You know, my offer to join the board went unheeded, or I I maybe they don't have my address, but but they can reach us at mm -hmm. insidebaseballcast.com. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I still think that I'd be willing to do the six meetings a year for a million yeah. bucks. Yeah. And again, I'll pay my own expenses. But um, anyway, enough of the humor. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure exactly how 
this is going to end up uh, this show. Okay. Um, and it's not because I didn't put any effort. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I didn't put a lot, but <laughs> you thought about it on your ride. You worked on it for an hour. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a recovery ride. Okay. Um, so back in the day, uh, when I ran the group, I had multiple hats. I was the risk manager of my group. But I was a playing manager, right? I had a mm-hmm. book that I ran. And and so I would argue that at one point between me and EG and another fellow, uh, I'll go by the uh, gnome de plume, Sevi. Okay. And there was yet one other guy whose name I, I don't want to mention. I would argue that at one point we had the largest proprietary book in government bonds in the world. Wow! And and um, who would be second? Who's who? Who are you? Who are you? Who's second? Third? I think there's this guy Eric something down in Florida, maybe. Okay. Uh, All right. I don't mean it disparagingly. I, yeah. I think, in fact, he's exceptionally bright, but I, I don't remember his last name. Okay. I think I think he was at Lehman. Okay. Maybe, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, but I could tell we were, if not the biggest, one of the top one or two, based on our percentage of open interest. Yep. Right, that kind of thing. Okay. Why do I mention that? Well, because I want to brag. Secondly, um, because we were so big, you, you couldn't you couldn't be wrong, right? Being wrong was bad. And um, back in the day, there would be volatility. And because you were so large and so highly levered, on Fridays, if you had sort of a discontinuous close, ship would be all over the place mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. and we'd more often than not have a massive loss and you know uh we get the closing quotes eg and i go home we'd look at them we'd probably talk about it sunday night and we'd have an, a plan to come in monday morning Yep. Because stuff was out of line just because people were just so panicked. Mm-hmm. Right. And we would be like, okay, we know we're down a lot of money, but we know how everything lines up. We're well within our risk tolerance. And um, as soon as we come in and the bell rings on Monday, we're going to be buying shit on this. And we're going to be, we're going to be selling or paying on that. And yeah. Yep. And we're, Almost without exception, within 20 minutes, everything was back on the curve. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I don't think it's any more complicated that there were a handful of guys like us. They did the same thing we did, which I now call re-underwriting the trade. Like you go back to square one and mm-hmm. it's like, 
what are your assumptions? Do you like to trade? Yeah, yeah. And, and you, you more often than not came back and said, yeah, we, in fact, these levels are stupid. So, you know, if P&L was an issue or risk was an issue, I'd call one of my partners and say, hey, I'm just telling you, this is out of line for this reason. Give me a little rope. You know, whenever mm-hmm. I had done that, I was, you know, a hundred out of a hundred. So they, yep. it was part. It was part of why a partnership worked. Of course, right? because yep. you 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 trusted people, but you trusted them more and more is they their performance aligned with what what they told you. Okay, so I guess uh, why do I tell you that story? I, I I tell you the story because I went through a similar thing last weekend, and. Um, you know, I keep coming back to this inverted yield curve, which is either as inverted as it's ever been, or yeah, yeah, you know, and we debate whether is it the cause of a recession or a precursor, all those sorts of things. And I've been I've been relatively I don't want to say confused, but I haven't gotten that theme in my mind, right? But mm-hmm. the one thing we've talked about for a long time, and I even see your pal Michael Harnett, his uh, crib, our line, which is the Fed is going to tighten until they break something, mm-hmm. right? And as we said last week, you know, you got 500 basis points of tightening price then. You got another 200 with the QT. And I'm wondering why hasn't something broken right and i mean i guess you know if you had bad luck you you might have lost a lot of money and but in general you haven't had the front page of the wall street journal nobel prize winners blow up after being completely arrogant and having their head (laughs) up their ass for two years um but i digress right um so anyway uh, I don't know whether it was like a week ago Sunday, a week ago Monday, uh, my or our friend Dave Zervos puts out a memo uh, to uh, uh, Jeffrey's clients. And uh, I'm not a Jeffrey's client, but I, I pay for the I pay for the service. And yep, I, yep. I don't know that it's available to everybody or whatever, but, you know, life ain't fair. And if the big advantage I get is I get to subscribe to David Zervos, well, you know, You're that's, second, <laughs> that's second only to being part of a primary dealer most of my career. <laughs> so I, I, I really like David. For, first of all, as a human being, I, I, I just think he's a good guy. Yep. You know, he and I, you know, obviously run in the same circles. Clearly. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, social not, calendars. Yeah, just <laughs> not together. Jeez. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've ended up at that chalet in Aspen, shaking <laughs> bottles of champagne over. Please, he's a character. I mean, I, Best. I, I got, I fucking love him. He's if you didn't know what he did, if you were like, what do you think this guy does? You'd be like, oh, he's the lead singer of a rock band. He is. He's um, a rock star. Uh, un- unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, enough of a free plug for Jeffries. Um, so 
he writes this memo and this is going to get one maybe a little complicated and two i don't really fully understand it so i don't normally like talking about things i don't completely understand since when but i just <laughs> great it's new <laughs> um so part of the benefit when i was working you go into a your your team and you you talk things things through right so you know i try talking it through with cheryl and no i don't even she don't care so, uh anyway Zeros' memo is talking about that why there hasn't been, um, and I'm paraphrasing, mm -hmm. why there hasn't been something broken is through this entire process of the quantitative easing, the Fed has bought all of these fixed income securities governments and potentially more importantly mortgages okay so for those of you unfamiliar with this as interest rates rise bond prices fall pretty simple now in the last year you've had some ginormous increase in rates, which at the tail end of last week, we talked about how the 60-40 traditional portfolio is off to a great start. And I, mm -hmm. with my snarky replied, that's coming after the worst year in a hundred years, right? Right, right. Okay. So um, the reason it had the worst year in a hundred years is because the amount that bond prices fell. Okay. I I thought I was pretty well protected. And I I lost points on stuff. Yep. And you know, I'm supposed to know what I'm doing, which right. now we've clearly proved that's not the case. But but to to get back to being serious, Zero has pointed out that the Fed owns a huge amount of treasuries. I don't know if this is true. If it's wrong, I'm not far, but they own almost the entire mortgage market. Okay. So a couple of things happen here. One is these treasury securities are now held by, I get these terms wrong, but the, the public sector, meaning the government. So the Fed owns eight, trillion dollars of treasuries i you know yeah. I, I need one of our mm -hmm. unpaid unpaid analysts to mm -hmm. check this out but they own some gargantuan amount of treasuries and they own a different number but enough mortgage-backed securities that they fucked up the mortgage market okay so over the past year 18 months as interest rates have gone from zero to a two-year note of 460, there's a mark-to-market -market loss on these securities. The Fed doesn't mark-to-market -market their holdings. Okay. So uh, I think the point Zervos makes is 
there's this tremendous loss that might have been in the private sector, but because those bonds are now on the public sector balance sheet, that capital hasn't been impaired. The Fed's still doing their thing. Yeah, guys like you and I are still doing our thing, which potentially could be why, number one, things haven't broken. And number two, the economy in the interim may be doing better than people had anticipated. Mm -hmm. So are, are you with me so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I'm trying to, to wrestle with that because so there's no... There's no free lunch. I mean, it, it, you know, the people who think there is the 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 magic money tree people, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, the, they need to go back and read about John Law and the South Sea uh, situation. But the Fed's situation is this: in normal times, they have a portfolio of treasuries, which yield more than the cost of funds so they have an arbitrage on yep and and for year after year after year generates profits and they send the profits to the treasury and then those we elect to protect and defend us take that money and they spend it right great so um what happens now in the fed loses money a couple things happen one is they don't got no money to send okay the second thing is there's accounting entries which i think show up as an accumulated loss I, i'm not sure the entry exactly and i'm i i should know but i i haven't dug that deep into it yeah, yeah. but basically um that loss by the way, the Fed is going about this over a long period of time will just disappear because what are they doing? They're letting existing debt mature, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, so that I don't think they end up recognizing a loss. Yeah. Yeah. But in the world of, you know, pushing bricks around, less money goes to the government, mm -hmm. right? And so the government has to either spend less mm -hmm. or um, uh, issue more bonds, which would, you know, push up rates, which yep. falls into this concept you've been leaning into, which is the higher for longer, right? Has to be, I, right? I suspect if they don't continue to keep financial conditions restrictive, you do face a legitimate chance of substantial non-transitory entrenched inflation. Now, they, they keep talking about how they're not going to let that happen, which is why the yield curve is so inverted, right? They control one rate, the overnight rate. The 30-year rate, they could try, mm -hmm. like, like the Bank of Japan did. 
who knows how that's going to work out. But um, that's why for me, having a small amount of long debt, um, even, even though I know it's probably not the best thing, I'm kind of confident they're going to keep these short rates higher and continue to raise them so long as they think the inflation bug isn't killed. Okay. Um, so the elephant in the room, an elephant in my room is why are equity prices hanging in when you get all the experts telling you, you know, the prices are too high. And this gets into something I'm really not qualified to talk about, but I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. So most people, I think, would agree there is a relationship between interest rates and price earnings ratios. So back when I was a youngster and rates were 14%, PEs were seven, six, five. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then when rates went to zero, PEs were, in many cases, infinite. Yeah. Right. 100. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, but for stable, even for stable companies, they were, they were higher as they should be, right? Mm -hmm. Lower interest rate, you discount the cash flows. Okay. So what I'm wondering is when you look at, let's call it the uh, seven year note is somewhere in the area of 393. Let's just call it 4%. Mm -hmm. okay. is the market saying we should be using 4% is the discount rate on equities because equities are uh, long duration items, right? So you, you want to compare that to a longer duration item rather than a shorter duration item. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's apples to, mm -hmm. it's apples. To, okay. So I just gave an example of, um, which was it? The seven year rate? Seven. Yeah. Use the seven. Yeah. Yeah. It, it almost, uh, 4%. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if I go to my Bloomberg, uh, forward, uh, yield curve, you, you look at the seven year rate which they don't have a seven-year rate, but let's let's say we'll look at the 10-year rate. All of a sudden, you go out a year or two, the 10-year rate they have is a 320, right? Because an inverted curve, the mm -hmm. forward yields are going to be mm -hmm. going to be going to be lower. So is this inverted curve, which gives you even lower rates down the road, is that is that what's driving the interest in equities? And once again, as I said earlier, I I don't really know where to go with these things. Um, but the fact that we haven't seen a blow up, you know, uh, I mean, my Lord, after 500 basis points of tightening in another 25, 50, 75, getting starting to be baked in the cake this is the first time in my career where people aren't shaking in their boots yeah 
and they're just like taking it in stride and yeah you know whether it's the elizabeth kubler ross five stages in death where we're in the denial yeah uh, it could well be but i don't know to someone who's not a full-time guy like me i mean uh, do you understand what i'm trying to yeah, point out yeah absolutely that? yeah yeah because the, the rate you use is the discount factor is is huge and so i don't know whether these guys are just picking a rate that they like you know let's let's pick the right rate yeah and yeah that yeah. way we can justify the prices or the market in its collective wisdom has decided these are where rates are going to be and therefore the stock prices are right um now right. Wow. is is uh Edward is always fond of pointing out, you know, you can have PE, uh, but, you know, E is part of the PE. Mm -hmm. So if, er if earnings decline and PE doesn't go up, the stock prices will go down. Yeah. Um, which, which leads me to one of the dumber comments uh, I saw in the headlines where somebody said 5% T-bills are no bargain. I'm like, uh, you're what? an idiot. That, that's the that's the uh, Gelman amnesia. Right, where, right. You, you know, you remember that one, right? Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. So you have a situation where clearly the economy is in some state of flux. You had a run of strong numbers. Yeah. Okay, as I was fond of saying to traders who would have a bad day, PL-wise, I would say, you know, nothing goes in a straight line. It'll be better tomorrow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If it if it wasn't, you know, you'd fire them. But you know, and the, <laughs> move along. <laughs> that's that's the Chuck Knobloch story. Um, but uh, yeah, for people, well, a lot of people don't know the Chuck Knobloch story. Uh, <laughs> All right, Chuck Knobloch was the, I think he was either he was either shortstop. No, Jeter was the second, short second, second, second base, baseman. Second baseman for the Yankees. This is about, this must have been like 1996-97 when the Yankees were humming along. Knobloch got a mental block and he could not a routine ground ball the second base. He'd pick up the ground ball and he'd chuck it over the dugout into the stands. He had a, he could not he could not throw the ball to first place. So the whole stadium would gasp on a routine trickler to Knobloch. And you could see him, he'd pick the ball up and he'd freeze and he'd like second, he'd double pump it sometimes. And then boom, airmail into the fucking stadium. Yeah. yeah. But Joe Torrey, the manager stuck with them and he stuck with them and he stuck with them and he, and they won the world series, but man, that yeah. was painful to watch. So my take on the Chuck Knobloch, story would be as you can imagine we come in to work bunch of smart ass guys yeah. laughing about fucking guy can't throw the ball to first base mm -hmm. and the comment would be well joe tory's sticking with him and i said joe tory's gonna stick with him until he doesn't mm -hmm. and i guarantee you one day you're gonna wake up and you will never hear of Chuck Knobloch again, which is mm -hmm. e exactly what happened, right? You know, like, you're my guy, you're my guy, you're my guy, you're not my 100%. guy. Yep. Um, I don't know what that has to do with trading bonds. No, I've, I've kind of lost track of that. 
But I guess what I'm getting to is there's a, a couple things and it's a little bit out there, but as I've said, I really, 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 really want to own stocks. Okay. But they're not cheap. And, you know, it's genetics, right? I can't fight. You can't I, fight your genetics, I, right? I, so I, if it's I, not, not cheap, I can't buy it. Okay. The reason the 5% T-bill comment is so stupid is, you know, if you're looking at long-term compound annual growth of equities, you know, you're, you're talking about 8%. Yep. Now, a 5% three or six month T-bill, without question, is not an 8% CAGR, anything like that. But but, but you're getting 5% for chilling <laughs> while you're waiting for, you know, yep. you know, somebody rain down with lightning bolts and thunder, mm -hmm. which leads me to this next thing, which... I don't even know how to put this into words. So I subscribe to a number of, I think, good services where you actually pay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they're not, it's not cheap, right? Which is why we are, you know, have Kathy Wood is now a <laughs> sponsor. Also, people from the Chubb Foundation. <laughs> Stop. Is that enough? Right. Um, one of these guys, and I won't say who because mm -hmm. it, they may be laughable, but they claim they have like this guy who's a military geopolitical expert. He's like he nailed everything. Mm -hmm. He thinks the odds of Russia and Ukraine going into a nuclear war are 60-40 in favor of going into a nuclear war. Jesus. Now, I don't know if they're talking about your garden variety nuclear war. No chance, okay? No chance. I go zero chance. Dude, Russia doesn't have supply trucks. They can't put together a nuclear bomb, dude. They're a joke. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, so... I had a feeling you were going to say something they're, like that. They're laughable. My military sources tell me that they are a fucking yeah. joke. <laughs> well, as my one trip to yeah. Russia with Robbie did not include a view of the military industrial complex. Okay. Um, I'll tell you, they have a museum outside of Tucson mm -hmm. with this ICBM thing. Oh, wow spectacular i'm sure museum right it's the real it's the real thing yeah and i've been there a couple of times and um if the russians have 10 percent of what this thing's hooked up and they want to do away with us even they can't fuck it up i mean there's a door there's a blast door that separates the missile from the guys turning the key. Mm -hmm. I, I pick a number, three yeah, yeah. tons, four mm -hmm. tons. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. That thing is so finely balanced mm -hmm. and lubricated, you can move it with your finger. I'm sure. Yep. Yep. Okay. 
the whole and every element of this thing the floor is suspended by springs oh yeah the, the cables have little I, I i would call it a sag but that sounds like it's not perfect slack, um, yeah purposeful there's slack in them so if the earth moves they don't stretch and get yanked out i mean every little thing russia doesn't have been, that no they don't not they even. don't got no, no, they know they know got that. No chance, dude. They are they are, dude. It, I don't know how it's dragged on this way. And the, the whole what Russian winter offensive that that doesn't really shake me, dude. The, they, they're sending kids to the front without guns and like backpacks. They're like, have at it, you know. Like it's it's really it's a quagmire. But like, dude, R Russia does not intimidate me. I, and like the nuclear war, that's a mess, dude. I I picture like little kids shooting off bottle rockets and then going off before it even gets up in the sky, like. It, that is not a concern for me. I understand that the geopolitical okay. military expert has to list that as a concern for him. And next, he's going to warn me about China and Taiwan. I understand that. Like, what else is he going to say? But like on Monday morning, I'm not worried about Russia and Ukraine okay. firing dukes at each other. Well, I, I guess I would lean more towards you than the other when I discovered that they're shooting $400,000 Sidewinder missiles. Just practicing. At, at, at hobby shop balloons. <laughs> Did you see Practicing, that? Dude. Yeah, of course. Of course. Got to take the balloons down, dude. Oh, I man. I know. So, dude, it's um, a, been a weird... Dude, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Um... Dude, the balloons were weird. I, you know, I try to, like, I try not to pay attention to that stuff. Dude, the train derailment in Ohio is a classic disaster that the government's going to cover up. Dude, that is a that is a disaster. That is a real life disaster unfolding in Ohio. Um, you saw you saw uh, Buttigieg, Buttigieg, uh, Pete, Papa Pete, blaming um, <sighs> the Trump administration for the. It's like. <laughs> Classic. Go back to go back to nursing your baby. Stop. I know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's been grim. Um, can I just read a little Bloomberg for you? Because this came across Bloomberg this morning. Um, and and dude, they kind of ripped off our show last week, so I just want to read it out loud because it was nice to hear them say what I said last week. As U.S. inflation receded over the past few months, some economists warned that the situation might get sticky. The kind where inflation seems to retreat only to gum up the works again. This week, that scenario seemed to arrive. While new data showed overall inflation still falling, if only slightly for January, consumer prices rose again, potentially a sign of a feared persistence that could push the feds to raise rates for longer. There we go. Still, the overall economy remains robust with more blowout job numbers and resilient spending and skyrocketing credit card debt. Dude, that economy's humming along, right? I know. All right. So you want to pick stuff out of it? You can say, okay, used cars came off or, but dude, the fact remains, rent hasn't gone down. Electricity has like, like food, like they picked that CPI number apart. Anyway, though the Fed's timeline for snuffing out high prices is hard to predict, one thing may seem a bit clearer. Corporate, corporate profits appear to have peaked. And while market observers continue to debate whether the U.S. economy will manage a soft landing, enter a full downturn, or maybe experience a series of little recessions. I mean, they're just ripping off my show from last week. I, I came up with the idea of the little recession. So that, I, I, I know. It's, it's just it's yeah it's criminal. Um, talk to Mayor one, that. one thing um uh I would 
jump to is a quote I read. I think it is from this woman named Liz Ann Saunders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, does that name ring a bell? I'm a big fan. I like Liz okay. Ann Saunders. Okay, I don't know where I saw this, but I thought of, I clipped it. I screenshot okay. it. Yeah, yeah. Her, her quote is this. Regardless of your outlook, saying the economy is, quote, nowhere near a recession because employment is so low, end quote, goes against history of unemployment rate always near or at its lowest right before the recession starts. Yeah. Okay. So uh, when this is a what there's very few times I see this sort of setup. So when we were in the COVID uh, situation where we saw the COVID and thought it was going to be a problem. Yep. You know, I remember selling stuff shocked that I could get the prices that I could get with people just falling over dead in the streets in Wuhan. Right. Yep. Yep. I'm like, how, how could I not, how could I not sell here? Right. Um, you know, I think that uh, when you look at the 5% T-bill rate and with all due respect, I do think you have to put some geopolitical risk into the equation. Yeah, of course. Uh, okay. 50, 50, 60, 40, I'm with you. Yep. But it's not zero. Okay. So you have every research guy I read saying by all metrics, stocks are rich. You can take the money you can park it in roughly 5% treasury bills. And by the way, this charade about, okay. You know, the first time I heard this, I was 26 years old and I've heard it. So I'm, I'm 62. Mm -hmm. What is that? 36 years? Did yep, I do yep, that? Yep, I'm yep. very, I'm, I'm trying to be very cautious about my calculations. I don't want to leave the thousand dollar tip on a $500 <laughs> dinner bill again. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, why? What are you going to miss? And then now I'm not a chart guy, um, but I have a couple of friends, very talented people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and if you, I haven't checked with them, but if you look at the chart, okay, the equities are failing at lower highs, which, and then finally, uh, there's this theme that always is running in the back of my mind, which is in a crisis, all correlations go to one. So I think uh, Charlie Munger uses this phrase, invert, always invert. Now, I, I don't know what that really means. I'm not good with math. But if in a correlation, if in a crisis, all correlations go to one and you invert it, if all correlations go to one, you're going to be in a crisis. So interest rates are going up. Stock prices are going down. Precious metals are going down. Okay. Oil. I mean, yep. Everything. Oil is going down. Yeah. Um, Strong I'm sure dollar. there's, 
yeah, uh, you know, I just kind of wonder, you know, how this all plays out. So I circle back to the Zervos notion of there's this massive loss that's not getting marked to market. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the, the riskiest words in investing are this time it's different. Or she's my niece. <laughs> Please carry on. <laughs> All right. Um, I just can't help it. Yeah. Uh, but the point is, it, just like I said with the COVID, I couldn't believe the prices I was getting to liquidate. Mm -hmm. And what I saw was an imminent definite crisis. Mm -hmm. I look at this and I'm like, why would you own anything other than three month bills? Yeah, and you and you get a free peek at this thing. So so let me so let's say you wait six months and the stock market's eight percent higher. Yep. Over twenty years, who cares? Yep. Yep. But there are some chart people who are arguing we're going to not only go out and test the previous lows. We're going to make new lows. In fact, your friend uh, Michael Harnett, who he's a Morgan Stanley guy, right? Mike Wilson. Mike Wilson. Mm -hmm. okay. Morgan Stanley. Yep. One of those guys. It's either Michael Harnett or Michael Wilson. Harnett's at Bank of America. Wilson's at Morgan yeah. Stanley. Wilson's my guy, Morgan Stanley. Okay. One of the guys has been dead perfect, and he's saying Mike Wilson. You yep. Know, okay. That we're going back to test 3,800 or 3,400. You know, one thing I know about these guys is it's streaky. Just like my example of flipping coins, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you flip a coin 10 times, you expect it to be, you know, six, four, yep, four, yep. six, five, five. You flip it 10,000 times, you know, it's 7,000, 3,000, right? So this, whichever name this is, the guy's got a hot hand. He's got he's got the vision, and yep. and you don't fade that. Nope. You you don't fade when someone's got that epiphany. Nope. That, that and and that's why uh, when when I'm looking at things, and this is sound arrogant, but hey, fuck it, it's free. Um, when I can't get a clear picture of what's going on. I mean, I'm right 51% of the time, okay? But even when I'm wrong, I think I have a picture. It just happens to be wrong, okay? I, fuck, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know. And, mm -hmm. you know, we keep talking about um, payroll being a lagging indicator. And then your friend, Liz Ann Saunders, points it out that historically... Right. Uh, you had a week of good data. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, there's more tightenings coming. We can debate 25, 50, 75, 100. Yeah, you got you Loretta, know, Mester, Loretta Mester said, I'm not opposed to 50. And if Mester, she, as soon as she said, you know, people pick it out. They, they find the hawkish comments and they say, all right, Loretta Mester says she's yeah. open to 50 at the next one. So now, but the, the market didn't blink though. Yeah. Well, I think. The market in its uh, omniscience understands 
if it takes a 14% funds rate, you're going to have a 14% funds rate. Now, we can get into some debate about, you know, what's that going to do in employment? And you're going to head into election year. And is there political pressure? And, and these are all great unknowns. But the higher the uncertainty, the higher the equity risk premium, right? And uh, again, uh, in the words of that famous uh, Warren Christopher, uh, we urge caution. I, I'm, you know, I, I look. If anyone wants to kind of hoot me for my caution, I'll refer them to uh, my contemporaries, John Corzine blew up multiple times. John Merriweather blew up multiple times. Okay. And uh, Old Chestnut's still here. By the way, for those of you who play golf, when John Merriweather opened his second fund, the nickname for that was Mulligan. <laughs> oh, it was. It was it really. <laughs> uh, hand on my heart. And people gave him money. <laughs> Who's giving him money? Yeah. Yeah. People gave him money. Jeez. So again, I, I need to invest in a clock because I don't how much time we got. Well, you say that every time. You know exactly. You're at like 59, 59. You you dead not hey, run. You're kidding. <laughs> Seriously. You're kidding. No, no. Oh, fine. Right. Maybe we got a nap. Maybe we got a nap for this. Jeez. What do you think? By the way, I did a little uh big Ed was out to visit. Mm -hmm. That didn't okay. make you more bullish. You, you don't have increased optimism with Ed around. I, Ed always increased my optimism and, and like, he's just such a positive, uplifting, fun dude. Like he, you have the, you're the bear to, to Ed's bull in my world on the bike ride. I want to sit in the middle of you two and get a, and get two different perspectives. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, no optimism. <laughs> well, no, I, I, he's just so much fun to be around. That's it. Um, But I'm, you know, the two toughest guys I know, okay, E.G. and Ed, mm -hmm. okay? And I had this thing in my mind. I was wondering if the two of them went toe-to-toe, -to -toe, like who could party the hardest, okay? Right? Because you, you, know, you know both of these guys, right? Okay. So I've seen Ed ride... Home 20 miles uphill with a broken collarbone. He's a fucking okay. conditioned athlete, dude. Okay. I've seen EG with this hand slap game. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, I give you an example. Yeah, yeah. Let's say you had a chess piece, mm -hmm. okay? And uh, you have your hands on either side of the chess piece, okay? And the objective was for you to capture that chess piece between your hands. Oh, please. And the the thing was for EG to get it before <laughs> yeah, you yeah. could get it, right? Yeah. So someone would say, go, you clap your hands together, you'd be smiling, mm -hmm. and then you'd look, and EG would be pulling the chess piece out of his pocket kind yeah. of thing. Freak. Okay. So what I came down with was, if this was just a random test, like, Ed, you go out tonight, EG, you go out tonight and then you come back with stats mm -hmm. i think ed wins yeah okay. i think ed wins going yeah. away yeah but if you tell eg it's a contest 
then it's then, then it's not then, yeah, it's a horse of, yeah it, it was dude ed's a conditioned oh. athlete when i dude i can remember 10 years ago and on the group ride, you'd show up and you do like an assessment on Saturday morning. You you do like a, you check and see who's here. Okay. Uh, you know, Lance Armstrong's here. It's going to be a tough day. You know, if it's all, if it's just a bunch of casual overweight, you know, white haired gentlemen, you say, all right, we're going to have fun today. We're going to get rid of these guys quickly. And I, Ed's got nice gray, gray and white hair in the back. And I can be like, all right, we'll get rid of him. We'll get rid of him. Halfway through. He's still here. Three quarters of the way. <laughs> Fucking guy's still here. We're rolling into White Plains. There's Ed. Hey, that, that was great. Good job today, Liam. How did we not get rid of this guy? Every that finally I learned. I said, this is he is not to be trifled with. Okay. You're not getting rid of him. No. Dude, same thing with Turgot. And you can sell, you can tell Turgot because I would see Turgot, I'd be like, who's this old Euro with the funny hair? And dude, he always wore like a 20-year-old helmet. So, you know, you judge him. I was like, maybe, right. maybe even backwards. Yeah, see, dude, i like, not even kidding. I can remember, and it'll be like, you target Ned. And I'd be like, oh, we're getting rid of these guys real quick. And then sure enough, the three of you just couldn't get rid of them. <laughs> so we had Tom and Jen out this week. Oh, yeah. And uh, Jen, just tough as balls. This yeah, yeah, I know. Right, and lovely. Okay. So she was telling Cheryl how we'd be on these gimbals rides. And, you know, I got good enough to hang, but I was never good enough that they were easy. Mm-hmm. So I was always trying to slow them down, you know? Yeah. And apparently, I'd forgotten this, but apparently we were riding up 172. And out of the blue, I just started calling like a bingo game. <laughs> and I would go, B72. <laughs> And all of a sudden, people start looking around. Yeah, yeah. what's happening? And be like, I-17. <laughs> <laughs> and the pace went slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. I've been scolded by Miss Cromie before, um, like in the beginning of Gimbals, where like she'd be like, "We're not, you're not going to be a squirrel today, are you?" <laughs> like, well, <laughs> you know, I would say a couple things to you. One is, uh, and you'll understand this. Jen's a friend of ours. Of course. Okay. The second thing is, there's a friend of yours who apparently, Jen will be going up 172 and she'll be suffering. And this friend of yours will try and strike up a conversation <laughs> with her. And she's she says to me, what the fuck is with this guy? And I'm like, sweetie, I got my own issues with him. <laughs> Get in line. Yep. Okay. <laughs> well, so before we close, um, I really encourage everyone to go listen to the Essex Vermont Middle School of Turtle in the Clouds. Those kids are so cute. Kids killed us. Those, those kids are cute. Yeah. yeah, I put it on my Twitter. You can go find it on Twitter. Um, and if you have anything you want to talk to us about, inside baseballcast at gmail.com. Um yeah, dude, it's been good. Um, another week of uncertainty and head scratching. Um, but I do, I, I look, you know, I, my indicators, I look and see if they're still jacking up shit companies like Bed Bath and Beyond and Carvana. And dude, while that stuff is still going on, I feel like you really haven't found the bottom yet, right? You have not found the bottom okay. until you have despair. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you know, again, maybe this time it's different, but I, I've been through this cycle after cycle and, you know, 
you, you want to know what the bottom looks like? Ken Burns, okay? Mm -hmm. Of course. Because because you can only watch so many Holocaust documentaries. <laughs> We've right. been watching some Ken Burns stuff, and they talk about the Dust Bowl. Now, I, you know, having some very minimal agricultural experience, mm -hmm. didn't really appreciate. I thought the Dust Bowl was sort of an adjunct of the Great Depression. This was the greatest man-made ecological disaster ever. So if you if you are thinking about global warming, you think things are bad, just watch 20 minutes of this thing because these people moved into a place where you knew nothing would grow. Yeah. And they tried to make shit grow there. Uh, and it, 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 that's despair. Yeah. All right. Now, I, I don't think we're ever going, hopefully, back to that. But, you know, it, it, it's just, it's just not in the zeitgeist yet. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway. All right. Watch Clarkson's Farm. If you watch Clarkson's Farm, if you get if you, stop watching Holocaust movies and watch Clarkson's Farm. All right. I spoke to Anthony Peters. Oh, by the way, thank God Anthony Peters is back. It's enough with the vacations and going down to the island and not writing. I need. Yeah. What the fuck is that about, by the way? He takes a month. Who's he think he is? I mean, dear Lord. Selfish, <laughs> selfish prick. You know, I, that's why that's why. You know, it's amazing they ever ruled the world. <laughs> a month off? Right. They can't, oh, dude, they can't get out of Britain fast enough. Dude, anyone that lives there can't wait to leave. <laughs> wait, you and I take a week off. We get hate mail. We get death threats. <laughs> yep, I know. I know. Right. No, I sent him an email this week. I was talking about no, Clarkson's farm. All right, dude, watch Clarkson's farm. This famous rich Jeremy Clarkson. He takes over a farm in Britain. He knows nothing about farming and, and he just dives right into it. And it is awesome. Awesome. Before we go, I don't yeah. know if I'll find it quickly, but you 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 want to talk about what causes revolutions. Here we go. Civil, a civil revolution. There's a company. I want to say it's Twillo. I don't. I don't. Twilio. Twilio. Okay. I don't even know what it does. The name of the okay. company is Twilio. So you know where I'm going with this. Oh yeah. They're, they're laying off people, <laughs> but they're doing so well. They're buying back stock. It was amazing. Like the day after. <laughs> oh, and and finally, I do not want to. I know we're dragging on here. Who cares? But, um, yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Fucking hang up. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Big Ed sent us both an article, New York Times. Okay. If, perseverating, if I ever thought the Bitcoin people were insane, oh. this is took it to 11. Wall Street there Journal. Are, Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Wall Journal. Street Journal. Six coders. Yes. <laughs> there are six people who write the fucking code to the Bitcoin. Dude, it's amazing. Can, it, who in the world? Put so your life set. Six people. You don't know who they are. You don't know where they live. And they're the only ones that can, by the way, change the code that is, it's unchangeable. Oh, no. Nothing can ever go wrong because it's code. And you no, can't. No. Six guys. Six guys. Not. <laughs> it's amazing, dude. Are they all guys? 10% up this week. I, I don't. That's 
you know, I don't know how they identify. Well, I, I would, you know, the one example course. they used was, was a male. The one, one example that they had talked about was a male, but dude, Bitcoin yeah. 10% this week there, it's, it's ripping again, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> Run and play. Just remember, even when they discovered that the box they put in seawater with yeah, lead yeah. That, that discovered it was gold, yeah, yeah. It, it took a year for the stock to go to zero. Um, before I forget, you brought up Ed, you brought up EG. Are we going to fish? Fish is doing MSG in July. Can we get the can we get the band together in July? Um, and since you have so many contacts at Goldman, I would like to be in the Goldman box, okay. I'm just going to go out and say, I'll take it easy on your boss, or you can get rid of him. But if you get rid of him by July, I'll come and high five years in the box. Okay. <laughs> Cause um, I'm working on it. You give me till July. I'll get rid of that guy. <laughs> you, uh, you're putting the cart before the horse. Okay. <laughs> We're still, you know, our logistics team is still focused on the Los Angeles West coast show. Um, I think the problem might be it conflicts with the deep donkey, don't Google it, yep. uh, performance in Manhattan. I think good tickets are still available. February 21st. Um, is that when it is? I so, yes. Does that, does that conflict with the fish shows I'm not in sure. LA? I'm not sure. I, I, I can't okay. on that. Well, I've, I put out some feelers for LA and okay. uh, I, I, you know, a change is as good as a rest, right? Okay. Yeah. I'm looking forward to July because I can guarantee my my ability to attend the July shows. Like LA. It's, it's seven shows, right? I know. Yeah, whole week. Yeah, we got to get one night, the four of us down there, you know? One. I mean, I didn't want to push it. I didn't want to push it. <laughs> I, You know, I, I've got a goal now. I want to train so I can go to seven fish shows in a row. <laughs> Dude, that might put... No way. <laughs> no, not strong enough. Dude, you, you you got like four and you're like, I'm out. <laughs> Dude, you might not even make it to like night four. You're not staying to the encore. You get like two songs that like that you're kind of like meh on. And I know those songs. Like you might get like Say It To Me, Santos and Runaway Jim. And you'll be looking at your watch and being like, all right, I, I, I'll be I'm, back. I'll be back I, tomorrow night. <laughs> then I'm, warm, I'm warming up to Say It To Me, Santos. I'm even warming up to my pet cat. <laughs> Runaway Jim, I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. I mean, they were doing drugs when they <laughs> I almost opened they wrote, the show with the to aggravate you. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've we've worn out our welcome. All so right. maybe we should go and run. All right, so, I'll see you next week, pal. Yeah, have a great day. Take care. Take care. Cheers.